Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7, Jesus is speaking and he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? James Montgomery Boyce, uh, and this quote is in your sermon notes. If you've got a bulletin when you came in and you want to open that up, there's some sermon notes in there. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce says this. He says, if a man prays, he will pray in harmony with his view of the God to whom he is praying. Let me say that again. He says, if a man prays, he's going to pray in harmony with his view of of the God to whom he's praying. Let me break that down. What he's saying is, friends, however you view God, whatever your, your conception of God is, that's going to affect the way that you talk to God. Okay? So if you've got a wrong understanding of God's nature, then you're going to have a wrong understanding of prayer, and, and thus you're going to have a wrong prayer life. And I would submit to you that if you're here today and you're walking in that and you're experiencing that, it's miserable. Because it seems to fly in the face of the promises of God that we find in his word. So, so I, I, because this is true, because our, our concept of God affects the way that we pray, I want to talk to you about some two really dangerous um, misconceptions about God. Okay, And the first I'm just going to call the, the prosperity gospel or the name it and claim it gospel. All right, And, and basically the prosperity gospel, and you can find it anytime you turn on your TV, right? it says it, it's all about Jeremiah 29.11, taken out of context, by the way. But it's all about Jeremiah 29.11, right? Okay? God has a plan for you, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and give you hope. And so they take that verse and they say, see, you see, God's plan for his children is to prosper them. And then they take it further and they say, not only that, when we speak of prosper, we mean financially. So, so therefore, the prosperity gospel, the name it, claim it, would say, God's goal for you is that you would be wealthy, that you would be well off, and that you would live in luxury. And these are signs of God's abundance and blessing in your life. Therefore, if you don't have them, you're doing something wrong. Okay? Now, friends, I've got some problems with that. Can I share those with you this morning? <laughs> okay, here we go. Here's my primary problem with that, is it flies in the face of the teaching of Jesus, okay? Because Jesus didn't say, follow me and get comfortable. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself, not exalt yourself. He didn't say, if you want to come after me, then you're going to get a nice fancy home and a great car. and all. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. He said, you've got to die. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know what? You want to come after the Son of Man? That's awesome. Follow the Son of Man. But here's the deal. The Son of Man has no... No place to lay his head. See, and the prosperity gospel said not only should you have a place to lay your head, that place should be on a fluffy pillow on a king size bed somewhere near a mansion while you're driving a nice car. And Jesus said, wait a second. Now, friends, if our Lord and Savior didn't have that, then why should we expect that? Right? 
You look at the disciples. What about those men that followed Jesus, that spent time with Jesus? How did it end up for those guys really well, right? Didn't they all retire with a stuffy 401k and a big home on Malibu on the beach where everybody could see them? Isn't that how that story ended up? Is that what your Bible says? No, mine says they were all killed. They're all killed, right? They're all martyrs. Well, John lived an old life. Many of them were run through with a stake. Some of them were crucified. Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't seem, didn't want himself to seem worthy of Jesus in the way that Jesus died. When you study the Bible, and, and, and the Bible flies in the face of the prosperity gospel. And here's what I want you to see. It's so important this morning. Uh, hear what Paul says, okay? L- listen to this. Man, I found this this week, and it just it rocked my world. Uh, Paul says this in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'll read to you 3 through 9. He says, listen, if anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he's conceited and he understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind, get this, who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Now, that that verse... Five is tied to verse one. It says, "It says men who've been robbed of the truth and think that godliness means is a means to financial gain." That's tied to those false doctrines. That's what it says. Now, but read on. Paul's not done. He says, "But godliness with contentment is great gain." For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. See, here's what Scripture would say. They would say men of corrupt mind who've been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is means to a financial gain. They would say that men like that lead to an end and that end is where a person believes this, it says that they wander from the faith and that they're pierced. It means pierced through. It literally means tortured. They're tortured with many sorrows. Now, why is the man that believes the prosperity gospel tortured with many sorrows? It's pretty easy when you understand it. Here's why. You see, the prosperity gospel is not the gospel, but it's a false gospel, isn't it? See, it infects us and it affects us. It changes the way that we view God. And if it changes the way that we view God, it changes the things that we pray for because we now believe that God wants to bless us financially and that every Christian is supposed to to, to be wealthy. Now, if you think that every Christian is supposed to be wealthy and you don't have wealth, you begin to focus and pray for wealth, don't you? I'm praying for wealth and well-being and health and all of these things. And this is what the prosperity gospel would tell you to pray for. And when you begin to pray for those things, something begins to happen. God stops answering your prayer and you start wondering why God's not answering your prayer. And it's in the Bible, by the way. It says you don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you ask with the wrong motive. So now you have a wrong concept of God. You're asking for the wrong things with the wrong motives. And God is not listening because he can't listen to that kind of thing. He's not going to listen to those wrong motives. So his answer is constantly no. Now you've got a person that is desperate for God. They they, they got hooked up with the prosperity gospel because they were desperate with God to start with. And they're now desperate with God. And they're praying earnestly to God. But God is saying no. Therefore, they feel even a greater distance from God. And now they get so desperate that the Bible says they get run through with sorrows. They get pierced with sorrows. 
And oftentimes they walk away from the faith. That's why I hate the prosperity gospel. It's not a gospel. And friends, before we talk about prayer, we've got to get that right. That's a danger there if you think that God is here to make you rich. It's a danger. Let me share with you one more. One more and then we'll get into the sermon, I promise. You got DVRs, right? Okay. Second danger, I'm just going to call it hyper-Calvinism. Many Baptists are afraid of Calvinists for some reason. Guys, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for the early church reformers, people like Calvin and Luther and Zwingli. And we're standing on the backs of John, of Jan Hus and, and these, these great men that were reformers in the church. Don't be afraid of it. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not an Arminius. I'm a, I'm a biblical-based uh, follower of Jesus is what I am, and I think it's all there. And, and so, so hear me now. Now, you know, Calvinism in and of itself, that's not a, a, a terrible thing, okay? But there was this group that took the teachings of John Calvin and they took them out of context. Now, what happens when we start taking te- teachings out of context? It's always going to get ugly. And so they took the thoughts of, of that Calvin presented to us about the fact that God is all-powerful and that God is sovereign. These things are true, by the way. They're in the Bible. So God is powerful and God is all-knowing. Well, you take that out of context and they said, since God is all-powerful and God is all-knowing, these are the hyper-Calvinists, say, since God's all-powerful and God's all-knowing, then it's pointless to pray. Why pray? God already knows it. Not to mention, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, you're not going to change his mind, you're not going to change his heart. Now hear me, now despite the fact that scripture says, Jesus says, pray! Pray to your Father and he's going to listen, pray to your Father and he's going to answer. These people would say, well, God cannot answer prayer because he's all-powerful. And I would say to you, that you clearly don't understand what all-powerful means. Because you can't tell me that an all-powerful God can't do something. Because an all-powerful God can do anything he wants to, he's God. So you say, well, how does prayer work then, Pastor? I tell you, it's one of the great mysteries. I don't know. I just know that it does. Because God says so. My all-powerful, all-knowing God tells me to pray and promises that he's going to answer. Maybe you struggle with it. And now, here's how that teaching kind of trickles down. And you say, Jason, I'm not a Calvinist, but I I have struggled with whether or not I should pray. Because here's what happens. That teaching trickles down to us and we start thinking, well, you know what? God's too busy for me. You ever felt that way? This thing that I'm struggling with, it's too insignificant for God. God's too busy. Right? We start all these tea, all this stuff starts getting into us. And here's what I would say to you. Listen, I, I would tell you, I mean, two of the two, two of the coolest Calvinists I know today, Mark Driscoll and, and uh, John Piper. And here, here's what Driscoll says. Now, Driscoll clearly believes all this. He believes that God is all powerful and God is omnipresent. God is all knowing. God is completely sovereign, all these kind of things. And this is what Driscoll says when he taught on prayer. He says, listen, prayer sometimes changes the, the hand of God. It does. Now, 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 he believes all that other stuff. He teaches all that. He's a five-point Calvinist, friends. But he stands before his congregation and says, Listen, while I know all these things, and I believe all this stuff about God and His sovereignty and His all-powerful and His all-knowingness, I'm here to tell you that prayer sometimes changes the, the hand of God. Can't explain it, but I'm telling you it happens. Okay? I love what John Piper says, all right? Don't write this down. If you write this down, uh, your hands are going to cramp up so badly that we'll have to get you an IV uh, with Gatorade and stuff. I mean, there's a lot here, so just listen, please. I love what Piper says. He says, listen, when, when you pause to consider that God is infinitely strong and that he can do all that he pleases and that he is infinitely righteous so that he only does what is right and that he is infinitely good so that everything he does is perfectly good and, and that he is infinitely wise so that he always knows perfectly 
perfectly what is right and good, and that He is infinitely loving so that in all His strength and righteousness and goodness and wisdom, He raises the eternal joy of His loved ones as high as it can be raised. When you pause to consider this, then the lavish invitations of this God to ask Him for good things with the promise that He will give them is unimaginably wonderful. One of the world's best Calvinists today, right there. You know what he's saying? I can't understand it. I just know that it's true. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. But he still invites us to pray. And he promises that that he'll answer our prayer. So what do we need to do? We need to get a biblical concept of prayer. What does the Bible teach us about prayer? And this this stuff we're going to share this morning, I think it's the key. I hope it unlocks a lot of things for you. Uh, I think many Christians have tried to pray and been frustrated by prayer because they haven't understood who God is. They haven't understood the key to a healthy prayer life. We're going to share that key with you this morning. Here's the first part of it. Ready? According to our passage in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, uh, we learned this morning that if we're in Christ, God is our Father. If we are in Christ, God is our Father. Now, what does that mean to be in Christ? Well, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. There's a portrait of that today with my middle son. And it means that to the best of our knowledge that we understand that we at our core are sinners and that as sinners we're enemies of God and as enemies of God we are objects of God's wrath. And the Bible teaches that there's nothing that we can do in our sinful condition to undo our sinful condition. That we are completely helpless and bound to sin. We are slaves unto it and we're dead because of it. And and the Bible teaches that while we were helpless, God brought us help in the shape of Jesus Christ, who is fully God, but came to earth and became the God-man. He didn't just put on flesh. He became, he became flesh forever. He is the son of man. And that Jesus lived the perfect life that we couldn't. And he died the death that paid the penalty that we should. This is all what it means to be in Christ, right? And that, that when he died on the cross, he paid the sin penalty for our sin. And, and But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And, and he conquered death just like we can conquer death. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father preparing a place for us. And one day we'll all be reunited if we are in Christ. To be in Christ means you have faith in that. Now, now here's the second half of that. If we are in Christ, then God is our Father. I want to teach you something about Jewish history. You go back before this time when Jesus spoke these words and you cannot ever find the word that he uses for father here translated anywhere in Jewish literature to speak of God. Anywhere. Until Jesus utters these words, there was not a single Jew on the face of the planet or in any historical writing that would have dared to call God father. They would not even speak the proper name of God for fear of God. They were so afraid of God that that they they, they wouldn't even dare to have have a concept of God being a a father. And and yet here Jewish brings this word, Jesus brings this word into our lives. He says, listen, when you pray, I want you to pray. And when you pray to God, you speak to him as father. And the Greek word is Abba. And that's not a 70s pop group, by the way. Some of you know. Kids are like, who? Google it. (laughs) YouTube, really terrible music. Okay. Uh, Sorry, old ones. Ah, love you. Okay. He says, Abba, when you pray to God, you pray to him as Abba, Father. And and, and literally the, the, the translated term was Daddy. 
It was the most common word that a child would cry out for his father. It wasn't, Father, thou art. It was just, Dad, Daddy. Now here's the deal. That means some great things when it comes to prayer. And I want to share this with you. What that means, guys, is Jesus tells us when we pray, we pray to Dad. Now what's the deal when you talk to Dad? There's two really important things, right? One is respect. The other is relationship. And those two things have a tension and they work hand in hand. You see, I have three boys and a little baby girl at the house. My boys love to swim. They don't walk into the living room and go, yo, dad, I'm swimming. <laughs> like that doesn't play out well in our house, right? That doesn't play out well in our house because they've, they've just, they've, they've, they didn't have the respect, right? So we've got to have the respect. But follow me. Now, on the same token, my children, if they want to swim, they do not have to go into my living room and fall prostrate on their face and cry out in middle old English. Like, they don't have to fall down and go, Dearest Daddy, might I thou goest for a swim? Mightest thou allow me to get my hair wetteth in the chlorine of the pooleth? Like, they, you don't have to speak to me that way. Now, why do I not require that of my kids? You know why I don't require it of my kids? Because I am their father. Because they are my children and I would do anything for them. When you pray, you come talk to your dad and you speak to him with respect because he's your dad, but you still talk to him like your dad. You don't have to fall prostrate on your face and, and follow, follow some kind of model of, of prayer that you were taught 20 years ago in WMU or, or whatever Christian coalition thing they had back then. I mean, you, you don't have to say, you know, Acts, well, I mean, I've got to do adoration. It's adoration time. Lord, I love you. And now, now it's confession time. God, I'm sorry. Now it's Thanksgiving time. You are awesome. And then, you know, and then supplication. I pray for others. Like, okay, amen. That did nothing. Did nothing. God doesn't want you to pray that way. Jesus said, when you pray, because you're in me, you go talk to your dad. You go talk to your dad. And what do you do with your dad? Because of the relationship, you just go ask. You just go. It changes everything. Changes everything. Number two. There's notes back there somewhere. I'm not going to worry about them. Randy, here we go. As our father, God wants us to come to him. As our Father, God wants us to come to Him. What does He say? He says, ask, seek, knock. What is that? That's an invitation, friends. That, that's an invitation. God, Dad, is saying, come to me. Ask of me. Seek me. Knock. He, he's inviting us into this thing called prayer. It's an invitation. I spoke with some little girls this week about baptism. And young girls... And uh, and one of them really had was was getting some stuff and it was awesome and, and one was almost there just and um I, I was I was saying well what do you what do you think about God and you know our relationship how we relate to God I was like do you think that God needs you and 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 one little girl said well yes yeah God needs me I said really what what is what what's what you tell me what is so good about you that God needs she said well and she started listening off some really good character traits you know I thought well that's pretty good. But I kind of shared with her, you know what? God's the one that gave you those things. He doesn't need you. Here's the great thing about prayer. God doesn't need us. God wants us. The creator of heaven and earth, who, who holds all things together and tells the sea it can only come this far, who calls out each star by name, that guy wants to talk to us. 
That's unfathomable. Like, am I the only one a little floored by that? You guys seem, oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course God wants to talk to me. Huh. Like, like it should be God wants to talk to me? Right? That, that's a, Yeah. And that's what Scripture says. Scripture says God wants to talk to you. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's an invitation. And here's what that means. I want to break it down for you a little more in this father-son, father-daughter relationship. What that means is that God doesn't just want to talk to you about the storms of life. God doesn't want to just talk to you about the tsunamis and the hurricanes that come your way. God doesn't just want to talk to you when you're at the end of your rope because you've done everything in your power. But our God, as dad, wants to talk to you about everything that you do. Right? Think about it. When your kids come home from school, do you ask them, Well, son, what was the great tragedy today that availed you? Let's talk about that. Let me solve the greatest thing. You don't do that. You say, Hey, how was your day? How was your day? Tell me about it. And they tell you one thing. You go, really? Did anything else happen? Well, what about this? And you just ask questions. Why? Why do we ask questions? Because we want to know our kids, right? Because we want to foster relationships. We want them to know they can talk to us about anything. So here's the deal. This whole thought that God is too big for you to come to him with the little stuff, that's just a bunch of poppycock. It really is. Go talk to God about everything. Why? Because he's your father. I'll give you a good example. I I, I got like three weeks left of seminary uh, classes, and I graduate. I have a project to do after that, but it's a project. It's not, but classes like papers and reading, and so I'm reading all this systematic theology that makes me makes my head hurt. I have to read a whole lot, and and I'm, I'm I'm reading about the atonement. That's a light subject right there. Like what a dirty dog I am and why Jesus had to die in my place and how that substitution works. And I'm trying to wrap my mind and my heart around the atonement of Christ. And my youngest boy walks in and says, hey, dad. Now, Caleb's a talker. He gets that from my father-in-law. It's genetic. He's here. I'm just saying. Um, That's what you get for messing with me. Uh, all right, so so, he, but he, but he is Caleb is my storyteller. He and, and and he, I mean, the stories are awesome, but they are not short by any means. You know, I'm like, I, I, in my in my flesh, I want to say that's awesome. Can you get Daddy the Cliff Notes version? He doesn't know what Cliff Notes are yet, but that's okay. And so so he comes in the other day. I'm I'm reading. I'm doing a study now. What he wants to tell me that Daddy, I saw something on TV five weeks ago, and it was and it is cracking him up. Like he can't even tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I do? do I just, just say, I'm sorry, son. I'm too busy doing all my stuff. And, and you know, no. I close my book and I pick up that kid in my lap. And I'm like, you tell dad all about it. And he begins to spout off all this, this funny thing he saw on TV and how it makes him feel. And he's laughing and giggling and, and his face is turning red. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome, right? Oh, if I would just do that all the time. Guess what, God? He will do it all the time. He's not too busy for you. He cares about the things. And here's why. And here, here's what, right, this is what I figured out. You know, from, from my standpoint, the fact that he was laughing about some show he watched five weeks ago on TV that's still cracking him up. Maybe that's a little thing to, to Big Dad that has all these other things he's working on. There's one way to look at it that way. But here's the way you should look at it as father. If it's important to him, it's important to me. Do you know that's how God feels about you? If it is important to you, it's important to him and he wants to hear about it. Period. There's nothing too small. There's nothing too small for our God. Nothing. He's big enough to hear it all, all right? Okay. Uh, 
We got to move on. We got to move on. Um, let me let me say this as we move on. We'll go to number three here in a sec. Man, kids are so good at this, by the way. Kids are so good about telling, just talking to God about little things, aren't they? Have you ever heard, have you heard a kid pray recently? I love it. I love kid prayers. I love it when they say, "Hey, God, it's me. How you doing?" Like, isn't that awesome? That's the best thing ever. How you doing? Like, I love the faith that children have. They'll pray about everything. You know, when I first got saved, I was that way. And when I first got saved, I would talk to God about everything. There was one day I was coming home from uh, my, my, she was my fiance at the time. And I was driving home at night. And, and uh, I mean, it wasn't like too late, but it was raining outside. And it's in Houston. It's sticky. And, you know, I'm precious. I am. You're precious too. I'm just, I'm telling you, but I'm precious. I'm very sweet. Uh, water will melt me. And so, uh, so it was raining. I didn't want to get wet. It was probably a selfish little deal. And, and, but I just happened to say, hey, God, you know, it'd be awesome. I, I think I had some stuff in my hands. I said, it'd be awesome if I could just get in before the storm hits. And so they, they lived, I don't know, maybe a half mile down the road. It wasn't very far. I drive down. I turn, I turn, literally turn a right and then turn left onto my street and it stops raining. Pulled up into my car, hopped out with a little stuff in my hand, go inside. And then all of a sudden, here comes the rest of it. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. Thanks, God. Right? You know, I, I still do that today. I don't do it as often as I do. I lose stuff. You ever lose anything? You know what the Bible says about losers like us? I mean, I mean, uh, you know, people that lose things. You know what I'm saying, right? Um, it says that anyone who lacks wisdom can ask for it and it will be given to them generously without finding fault. Well, here's the problem, okay? I lose things constantly. I do really good. Like I put things in the same place for like a month and then I start randomly laying my wallet down on top of the toilet or up on a shelf that I can't see because I'm five... Too short. Um, anyway, and any, I, I, don't, I don't even know how I got it up there. I must have like gotten home and jumped and like, put the wall up there. That makes perfect sense to me right now. Where the kids won't get into it and I'll never find it again. Or, uh, and so anyway, so I do, but I, I, I'll lose things. And here's the deal. I, I have a little bit of a problem letting go of things, okay? So like my wife, she's just like, oh, it's, it's okay. It'll turn up. It will never turn up if I don't find it. Do you understand me? That's me. Any other guys like that? And I'm tearing apart the house. I'll go for hours and then you know what happens? I go, you know what? God's bigger than I am. And this is a little thing to him, but it's a big thing to me. And therefore, it's a big thing to him. And so I'll go, God, could you please help me? Could you just give me a little wisdom? And you know what? I find that sucker within a, a number of minutes. I mean, bam. Like I'm like, oh, Lord, why didn't I do that six hours ago? You know, when we had drywall still? Like, why didn't I do it then? Uh, anyway, so if it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to God. I just want to share that with you. I know I'm watching time. We're going to be late. Just deal with it. Okay. Number three, um, I've got water. I'm fine. I could be here all day. Okay. Um, number three, I want you to see that as father, uh, as a father who wants us to come to him, God will always answer us. As a father who wants us to come to him because he does, God will always answer us. And you say, well, that doesn't seem to fly with my experience. We'll get there in a second. I promise you, God always answers. And here's how we know. There's seven promises in this one little section of scripture. Ready? Here we go. Number one, it will be given. You will find. It will be open. The asker receives. The seeker finds. The one who knocks gets an open door. God will give you good things. Seven promises. You know what God's trying to say to you? Hey, dummy. That's what he's saying to me. Maybe not to you. Maybe it's just to me. Hey, dummy. I answer prayer. You get it? Listen, I answer prayer. You should pray. Oh, you, you don't understand the asking thing. Okay. I answer prayer. You should seek. Oh, you're still thick-headed. I got it. I answer prayer. Please knock. 
Come on, child of mine. Listen, the asker receives. Golly, you are thick headed. I'm telling you, the knocker gets an open door. The seeker finds. Hello, I'm your father. I'll give you good things. And it's like, ah, yes, father, you do give good things, right? If you're as thick headed as me, would you please get me this morning and write down this principle and let it change your life? Get the tattoo, whatever you got to do. God always answers prayer. As a loving father who wants you to come, he will always answer you. You say, well, pastor, if that's true. Then how come I haven't had that experience in my life? OK, remember misconceptions. We're going to talk about your misconceptions with number four. OK. All right. Here we go. God will always answer you. I don't know much sign language, but this I know. I said one, two, three, four, four. I also know this one. See, thank you. Okay. All right. Here we go. Number four. God's answer is always best. God's answer will always be best. So God always answers prayer. You say, Pastor, no, he doesn't. I know from experience he does not. Yes, he does. His answer is always best. And this is where the key is. You see, God answers prayer the same way that we answer our children. You say, what? Yeah, because he's father. So how do I answer my children as a father? Now, I'm the only parent in the building that has this problem. But I, I tend to put my kids to bed, I don't know, 8, 8.30, right? And, and I know, just like you, my kids stay in bed. They never get up again, right? I mean, they are just, once their little hineys hit that thing, they're never getting out of there, buddy. Not and so we put them in bed and then and then like you, you know, they probably get up and they get up. Only difference is mine. I always have one at least once a week. They get up for hours. You see, they don't realize that bedtime is end of dad sanity time. Like I've run out of sanity for your goodness. You should lock yourself in your room until I can reboot. OK, that's how that should work. They don't get it. They don't get it. So, so they get up and they get up and they get up. And okay, so one. So, so let me, let me show you how God always answers. Ready? So, so one child gets up. It's 10 o'clock at night. And he's like, Hey, dad, I just can't sleep. You know what I think would really help me? Could I have a Dr. Pepper? No, right? How do we answer? How do we answer that request? You answer that, not just no, depending on how your day has been. It might be with a little more affirmative. No way ever. You'll never have Dr. Pepper in your life, buddy. Do you understand that? Till you move out of this house. Like just just no, right? Why? It's not what it's not what's best for him at 10 o'clock at night, is it? And I'm his father and I love him and I know what's best. Now, here's the deal, guys. Some of you have been praying uh, and, and maybe it's because you've believed in a false gospel. And you've been praying with the wrong motives and you're praying for the wrong things. But praise God, you have a father that loves you and knows what's best for you. And the things that you thought is God not listening, that's not God not listening. That's God loving you too much to allow you to have the things that would be hurtful to you. That's God in his love and in his providence and in his care for you saying no. No, it's 10 o'clock. You can't have a Dr. Pepper. It's not what's best. No, it's one way God answers, right? How else does God answer? Well, well sometimes, right? Same situation, 10 o'clock at night. Come and, and daddy, and I don't know about yours. Mine are pretty good actors. They get that from their mom completely, uh, right? Um, 
I, I mean, clearly, I don't enjoy any of that. So they, they get up, and, and this is how they, they come and talk to me. I, I'm going to have to do this so you can hear. Daddy! Daddy! Daddy, could I have some water? My throat is very dry. <clears throat> I have actors. And here's what I said. You think, you think get your fine, get, get back in bed right now. Get that honey back in bed. I said, no, you know, I said 10 o'clock. Sure, buddy. You can have some water here. I've got some water right here. Do you want to drink out of dad's glass or do you want me to go get you your own glass and you can take it into your room? Why do I do that? Because my child's thirsty. I mean, they really are thirsty. You think, well, they're just trying to get up. Well, if they're thirsty, they're thirsty. They're going to keep getting up to give them something to drink. They're not getting Dr. Pepper. But I'll give them water, absolutely. Why do I give them water? Because I love them. Because I love them and, and deep within who I am, I want to meet their needs, right? And so my answer there is yes. There's a third answer that God has for us, right? Same kids that love to swim and I don't make come bow down and speak to me in old English to swim. Daddy, you know what? Get out of bed 10 o'clock at night. Daddy, I had so much fun today. You know when you threw me up over the roof and I came down and hit my head under the pool? I'm joking, that didn't happen. <clears throat> I can't, I can't throw them that high. Uh, Daddy, but do you know how, how, it was so, thank you so much for swimming with me. It was so fun to swim with you today, Dad. I had so much fun. You, I know that everybody else is asleep, but could we go swimming one more time right now? <laughs> and you know what? I love them. I, I love them. I love them. And I, I'm so grateful for that request. And you know what I say to my child in that moment? I say, baby, I'm so glad that you had fun. You know how much fun I had too. I'll make you a deal. Let's get some rest so we can do school tomorrow and do everything we need to do. And tomorrow when daddy gets home, I'll go swimming with you again. I didn't say no. I didn't say yes. I said, honey, later. Now's just not the right time for it. Later, though. Later. You know what? God answers prayer for us in the same way, guys. Sometimes the answer is going to be no because it's not what's good for us. Sometimes it's going to be yes because, because he wants to meet our needs and he loves us. And sometimes it's going to be later because he loves us and he, and he wants to grant that. But he just... Can't do it right now. Now is not the right time. Okay? God's answer will always be best. I love that part that says, well, who of you, if, if your son asks for a piece of bread, is going to give him a stone. You know the opposite's true too. Sometimes as kids we ask for stones and what we really need is something to eat. And God's so good that he gives us something better than what we ask for. All right? I want you to think about those things this week. And let, me, let me tell you what to do with them and we'll be done. I'm watching the time, I promise. <clears throat> Number one this week, here'd be my challenge to you. Focus on God as Father. Father, Daddy. I want to challenge you. For many of you that are raised in church, this is going to be so uncomfortable because you think you've got to come to God speaking in old English, using the right formula, right? I've got to come before Him and I've got to fall face down and I've got to cry out, Dearest Holy Heavenly Father, Thou art worthy of all praise and honor and laud. Do you know what laud is? That's not the stuff that you, you fry stuff in, by the way. That's lard. It's, it's not. Like, we, we, we say these things. We've been so churchinized. We don't even get it. Like, I challenge you. I dare you. Talk to God as your dad. It, it, will, it will break you free from this, this misbelief about what you can talk to God about. He's your dad. He wants you to come to him. Come to him. Talk to him about everything. That's the invitation. Okay, number two. Accept that invitation. You can think about God as Father all that you want, but if you never accept His invitation to talk to, to you, it's kind of pointless, isn't it? So accept His invitation. Pastor, when should I accept it? I try to accept it all day. Every time you think about God as Father, 
talk to him right there all day. Okay, that's the last part. When you talk to him, here's what I want you to do. Number three, when you talk to him, share your heart with him. I talked to a couple after the first service, and they were here on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights, by the way, if you're here, you kind of get the early formulation of what the pastor is working through during the week, okay? Uh, just just kind of blam, you just get it. And, uh, and so they were here. They said, you know what, we've been thinking about this since Wednesday. And they were talking about their background. It's so hard. And, and, then, and then one of them said, and, and it's so hard for me to think that God really wants me to talk to him about everything in my life. Because for so long, I felt like God was too big or God was too busy. Friends, there's two ways to do this life. Ready? You can be in control. <laughs> okay? You can take the place of the Father. You can be the one that calls all the shots. By the way, that means that you have to hold the whole world together, just in case you're wondering. Okay? If you want to be the one to call shots, brother, you're calling all of them. You're, you're telling them to see where it can stop. You're, making, you're calling the stars out by name. You've got to do it all, brother. So that's, that's your first choice. You can be the king. You can be the father. Or check this out, much better choice. You can be the son or the daughter. And you can go to the dad. You can crawl up in his lap and he's doing all that stuff. And it doesn't matter. He's big enough for all of it. And you can say, hey, by the way, while you're telling the sea that it can only come this far, and you're calling out all the stars by name, and you're holding all things together, <laughs> could you please help me have a little more patience at work with my kids, with my spouse, right? Could you please help me carve out a little more time to talk to you? Could you please help me stop being so stubborn and actually give things over to you? Please. And he's big enough. And he loves you enough that he's always going to answer. Always. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So here's my challenge to you. Don't try to think about what his answer is going to be. Just ask him. All right? I got some people, they're, they're, they're that way. I'm going to, I'm well, if it's going to be a no, then I'm not going to ask. Well, maybe it'll be a maybe. If it's a later, maybe I'll just save it for later. Don't, and no, you're the child. child children ask, that's what they do. Hey, Dad, can I have something to eat? Hey, Dad, can I have something to drink? Hey, Dad, can I go bounce on the, uh, off the house onto the trampoline into the pool? No! But you can have something to eat and drink. And later, we'll figure out how to get into the pool off the house, okay? When you get older and Mom's not home. Okay. You follow me? Listen. God loves you. He has passionately pursued you through all the junk in life that you have run through and chased after. He has never given up on you, not once. And He is begging to have more of you than you have given Him to this point. And His promise is that if you will seek Him, you will find Him. And that if you pray to him, he will answer you. I don't know about you. It's a pretty amazing promise. Friends, I pray this week that you'd take that promise, that you'd scoop it up, and you'd actually start to apply it in your life. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness.